Welcome back to Digineer Presents Organizational Change in Today's World, a multi-part series to help ground organizational change experiences amidst the immediate and chaotic change that we are all facing. In today's episode, we will be talking about organizational change and how we rebound to the future. Here with me today are Carol Fletcher and David Cole, management consultants at Digineer, who have extensive experience and focus on leading organizational change. Welcome. Thank you. We've been yeah, we've been working through organizational change management and the four phases of leading in disruptive crisis. In our last episode, we discussed how to redirect our approach as it pertains to the new realities of chaotic change which is extremely different than the traditional approach of planning change way ahead. Today, we're pivoting into how we start rebounding from that chaos. So Carol, as our resident expert on these four stages, can you bring us up to speed on the basic concepts surrounding rebounding to the future? Sure, thanks Shannon. I think really the first step in rebounding to the future is that acknowledgement that we're looking at a new future. I don't like to call it the new normal because I think things will be consistently changing for a little while yet, but I think we have to look at what does that new future look like for us and really acknowledging that things may never be exactly the way they were. Life has gone on. We are you know, a year plus through the pandemic. Things have changed permanently for many organizations. And we need to look at how we are going to approach the future. I love it. I think that it's so important. And I love how you redefined it as not necessarily our new norm, but it just is. And our future just keeps unfolding before us and that importance of adaptability. So a question to both of you. In this time of constant chaotic change, Where have you seen companies or projects successfully rebound to the future? Yeah, it's a great question. I think for me, when I look at it, we're at this point now when we have recognition, right? That we're in a new reality. We've drawn through the first two phases, often perhaps what feels like with varying levels of success, depending on your organization, of course. But now... Well, I just think we're able to reset and kind of take a new assessment of where we're at and how far we've actually come. So when we reach this point, I feel like it can be easy to maintain, uh, like just continue on with that trend of what feels like chaos and continue perpetuating it. But now we're able to pause and take stock of the current situation. You know, like Carol talked about, this is a great point for reflection and we can begin to shift away from that reactive mentality that got us here, you know, really out of necessity. And that's where a current client of mine um, is currently experiencing. And they were so reactive and there was a scramble to accomplish so many things to enable just the work to continue through that disruption, you know, blow after blow. You know, we had to shift to working from home and there were just processes flexing and bending to accommodate just those immediate needs. But now 
you know, some people were in such firefighting mode that they forgot to lift their heads up above water. So they may have missed the fact that they're through it and they survived and they did it with almost no negative impact to the business or the customers. So it was just interesting that, you know, the offices that we reported to, they've always been historically remote work enabled, but being a technology department in such a large Fortune, Fortune 25 company, you can imagine the scramble that they went through to uh, like ensure the technology was managed with those from an internationally dispersed workforce. Um, but really now they're at the point when they can shift to more forward-looking mentality again. You know, there's a new leader within the organization. There's new strategies that are being developed. We were able to find new realities, build on the new realities that we're in and start to elevate the organization once again. Um, You could almost say, you know, it feels like an awakening almost. And you can just feel that shift, right? That there's exciting things coming down the pipeline. Um, They're not not necessarily triggered from something negative, which is a big difference. You know, there's new new products and new roadmaps that are even being leveraged, you know, even including the new partnerships that were created from the out of that previous necessity. So I think it's just gone a long way. That recognition is really something that is helping us propel forward moving from this point on. I think you're spot on. You, Carol. Yeah, I I agree (laughs) completely with David. I think he's spot on. I think that reawakening or awakening that people are encountering right now can be very exciting. It's still a little nerve wracking. I think it's like, you know, jumping off the high dive for the first time. You've got the butterflies in your stomach, but it's something that I think is open to unlimited possibilities at this time. And I think that's what I would really like to kind of reassure people during this time frame. It's this awakening is actually a feeling of hope, not a feeling of I'm just treading water. I'm trying to keep my head above water. I'm struggling to maintain. It's a feeling of how do we take the best of what we've been doing, learn from it, and move forward in a different manner that works better than maybe we ever imagined. I know I've been working in healthcare, and what we're seeing is um, a bit more uh, enthusiasm, excitement, and momentum when it comes to new projects, new efforts, new processes people are much more willing to embrace them and not rely on that thinking that, well, we've always done it this way. We have to continue to do it this way. Instead, they're saying, look at what we could do, how quickly we could change, and we can embrace new changes now as we move forward. And to me, that's like a goosebump moment. That is a time when I go, people are understanding it, they're embracing it, and they're opening their minds to a new way of thinking and a new way of working. And that to me is very exciting and very hopeful. You're speaking my language, Carol. (laughs) (laughs) But I completely agree. The idea of rebounding to the future versus going back to what was. That's what this is all about. And really, it's almost impossible to go back to the way it was because the old way of working and the old platforms just simply don't exist in the same way anymore. Exactly. So this idea of, yeah, of rebounding to the future is a necessity. It has to happen. So I love this. Um, As a follow-on, are you seeing areas either in your work or in life right now where maybe 
they aren't embracing this rebound of the future and they continue to get stuck. Are you seeing any examples of that right now? Hmm. I think for me, the things that I kind of hear throughout the industry is more of a, seems to be more of a general sense of people that, you know, when they talk about negative things, it seems like the biggest thing in general is that they're just not evolving with the current environment, especially the needs of the people. When you hear that there's clashes between like a leadership and an individual contributor, it's because that they their perspective is that leader is just disconnected from what the workforce needs in this moment and in this time, especially in, the, in times like these. I feel like you just need to bring such a, a laser focus to the people. And, you know, if you're not able to be sitting in a room with your, you know, direct reports as often, it's, it's, you're not going to be effective if you're, if you're not focusing on the individuals. And right now, um, if that isn't happening, you're going to, you're going to lose those people through these cycles of disruption. You know, it's going to lead to a disengagement um, and a whole host of other problems <laughs> with your teams. I think myself too, I'm seeing some uh, challenges and I don't, won't necessarily call them failures, but I'm seeing some challenges with people who are still failing to embrace the remote work um, as the as the way of the future um, for many organizations or many roles within the organization. And I still feel like people think that we're all going to be having, you know, big birthday parties with cake and everything in the lunchroom tomorrow. Um, and I think that challenge is still a very difficult time for people when they try to conceive of what that looks like going forward. I still hear people going, I want to go back to normal. I want to go back to being in the office. And they're failing to see that even if this is not forever, it's still in the we're still in the interim phase and we need to talk about how do we better interact together. We may see in some organizations, maybe their entire IT department is now going to be remote. And you can't just forget they exist if you're the one that goes back in the office. And so I think there's still challenges on the individual level around embracing how you work remote uh, the best way you can and how you stay connected, whether it's with your manager or with your employees or your teams or your peers. I think everybody has to take ownership of making those relationships work in a remote environment or a semi-remote environment. So those are the biggest challenges I still see where people are, are still talking about, oh, I can't wait till we go back to the office. Um, and some of them may not have roles that ever go back into the office. Right? Or or if they do, it's going to, like you say, look very different. But man, the minute you brought up birthday parties and cake, <laughs> I think of being in the office. I think of, you yes. know, happy hours and all those things. And I think there will be a version of that in the future. Yes. But again, it's going to be different. It's going to be very different. I think we have to find the things that make us feel um engaged with each other, feel connected to each other, whether it's in a remote environment or whether it's a happy hour that we're planning ourselves outside of work versus, you know, a cake in the lunchroom or what have you. And we have to find ways to have those water cooler type talks that we could have in the office that we find a challenge every day when we're working remotely. Yeah, I just read some stats. I was giving a talk on the and being more effective with your communications. And I read a statistic. I might botch these numbers slightly. However, the 
number of meetings have increased by over 40% during this time, as well as the number of after hours contacts, text messaging, yes. pings, calls have increased by over 60%. And what that says is that individuals are just reacting how they used to, to communications. Like I need to respond to this. I need to respond to this. But now the communications have increased dramatically and they're still trying to behave like they did. Exactly. And so this rebounding to the future is taking a fresh look at that and going, all right, we did what we needed to to survive during that time. We increased meeting times. We responded at all hours. Now, how do we reframe this so that we all don't burn out <laughs> as David was talking? So, yep. yeah, that's a really interesting component. Yes, it really is. And I think we focused a lot on managing through the crisis and we're losing sight of some of that work-life balance where we need to be able to turn off computers and not answer you know, texts or phone calls after hours or when you're trying to have family time. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit of a workaholic myself, so I understand how difficult that is. <laughs> I understand that. And I remember many times, you know, having my sacred hours of like six to nine where we had dinner and we had time with the kids and they t were tucked in bed and then I would respond to emails and things like that. So I think it's going to be up to us as individuals to understand what we need from a work-life balance and make sure that we're communicating that to our teams and to our managers so that they understand what you need as you're trying to balance all of this, especially if you're going to be working remote for the near term. Exactly. I feel like that's one of the biggest takeaways really from that perspective is the expectations you know, that you set yes. with your team um, and yourself. Really, that's how you're going to um, be able to move forward and you know grow as a tight-knit team um, when you can rely on someone and have you know, clear expectations of what you're going to get from someone uh, without having to question or um, have uh, dis disengagement with, you know, I'm, I haven't received a response in the last 12 hours. Well, did you tell them, right? When you right. when you expected to have a response back, what's, what's the timeline look like? There are just those little things that we can do to make our lives a lot easier as these uh, times evolve. Yes, and I think that yeah. that kind of leads me in for a shameless plug on our commitment-based management as well, because I think that the more remote we become, the stronger that need for making a commitment and sticking to it or renegotiating what that commitment is, it becomes more and more important because if you understand, if you think from somebody else's perspective that your manager might have talked to you at a meeting at 8 o'clock, and not been in any other meetings with you and by five o'clock is wondering what the heck is going on with all the deliverables that you needed to give them today. And so commitment-based management puts that commitment out there. You adhere to the agreement on that commitment or you let them know in plenty of time, this is not feasible today. I'll have it for you first thing in the morning or whatever. So I think that you know, things like that become very, very strong tools as we're looking at how do we work remote better? How do we stay connected to people better? How do we trust that things are getting done when we've asked somebody or, or you know, uh, assigned it to somebody? Um, those are really things that I think we need to take a serious look at. How do we incorporate those into 
the natural business of how we work every day. Oh, you beat me to it. I was going to bring up CBM. (laughs) You win. (laughs) I think too, though, with CBM, we have some great podcasts. uh, So check out our channel because we do have some really great podcasts on CBM that you can check out and get a full understanding of what we're talking about. But I did have to say I did commitment manage my children the other day. (laughs) It helps everywhere, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and the expected deliverable was socks on equals ice cream. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's great. (laughs) Maybe we need to do a case study on that. I'm telling you, it works. (laughs) So uh, a couple more questions for you. Um, How have you seen systems or processes or outcomes rebound in a positive way? Have there been some new innovations that you've seen, some more specifics around some of the general concepts you've talked about? Hmm. I I would definitely bring up, Shannon, the work that we're doing from a... um, a you know, a human connection and kind of a culture space um, within our client, you know, that, that culture program that we're um, implementing, um, you know, aimed at providing safe spaces, right, for individuals to show up and collaborate with each other. Um, it's really taken off. Um, we start, it started out small, but as more and more leaders right, right here, started hearing more about it, um, it's really expanded and people are asking for it. It just it just proves kind of the point that we're in within the organization that they've been able to um, kind of shift the focus away from that work, work, work mentality and be able to actually focus on the people. Um, how are people doing um, emotionally and physically being able to, to show up? Um, you know, people are feeling less stressed because of it, feeling more connected. Um, so I think that's a great case study um, that could, you know, we could talk, talk endlessly about that one, um, I think, for this question. I think... Agreed. What about you, Carol? I think I've seen um, existing tools being used in new ways, and that's been kind of fascinating to watch. Um, things in healthcare that have been notoriously a bit taboo um, because of security and compliance issues are quickly finding their way around the security and compliance issues so we can do things a little bit easier with a patient like texting or chatting or communicating more real time with them versus, you know, sending an email into their medical account and or the healthcare account and having them look at it and then respond a day later and blah, 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 blah. We're seeing much more real-time communication coming out of it using existing tools. And we're also seeing... Um, CRM type tools being used in very different ways to help manage the understanding of what's happening with the patient, maybe outside their healthcare record and in their personal lives that might actually impact their health as well. Um, So for instance, if you have a diabetic who does not have a good system of support at home and you have an understanding of that, you might have a different way of helping them through their program than you might if you thought they had a family who was at home who could support them and help them out as needed. And so we've seen some really interesting things um, happening with existing tools, and we're actually now seeing that foray into new tools and new systems that might help out as well. So it's been kind of fun to watch that progression happening from more of that tools and technology 
perspective as well. Yeah, and in both of your examples, you talked explicitly about the human impact, Mm -hmm. you know, how we've bypassed the original reasons we had some of this technology in place, right? Uh, For instance, CRM traditionally can be used as a sales tool, right? And here we are using CRM as a way to have a better customer experience. Um, You talked about bypassing traditional uh, barriers that were put in place to protect the systems and the hospitals and the clinics, because what's more important is getting individuals the care they need. Um, You know, I think that's really incredible. David, you're talking about the human impact of how people are feeling at work, where I, I know that that's all the work I do in the world. That's what I do a lot of that work. However, I it was very rarely talked about to this magnitude. Yes. So this is a real positive outcome, bringing that human level uh, impact and connection to the forefront of change and what we're doing. And face it, we all have that need to connect individually as human beings. Um, as co-workers, as teams, as just people on this earth, we want to connect to each other. And so tools and technology that help us do that better, whether we're in a remote setting or not, or whether we're just trying to connect with our customer or our patient or our client, are things that I think are going to grow in the future because they're going to become more of a Um, we must have this core need than just a nice to have, which they've been looked at that way for years. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have one, one last question for you and then we'll wrap up. But, um, in your work as organizational change management consultants at Digineer, What is one way you have made a meaningful impact to your client or your community in the last months or so? Um, From my perspective, I think we've done a much uh, more robust job in the communication arena from a client perspective. Um, We're seeing more, I think, focused communications communications that really address the need of the audience that's receiving those communications versus just a mass, you know, dump of information, uh, updates, whatever that go out sometimes to the greater audience. We're really looking at how do we communicate better from the top down. So having a leadership update coming out to executives in C-suite, informing them of changes coming before we see something going out to the general public in an email or a newsletter or other types of presentations. And so we're seeing a much more robust response to that communication as well. We're getting feedback from individual contributors all the way up to the C-suite that this type of communication is really resounding well within the organization. Um, executives and managers feel informed before their individual contributors are asking them questions about these changes. And uh, the individual contributors feel like their executive, their C-suites, their managers really understand what's going on. And so I think we've seen a tremendous increase in just a slight ad- adjustment to how we communicate, creating a lot of value for individuals. 
What about you, David? That's amazing. Yeah, I think those obviously those things go a long way in terms of engagement um, and stuff like that. I was going to talk more about the um, you know from an from the initiative side, you know, launching and driving initiatives.、Um, you know, I've been doing some pretty cool work with taking more data driven approaches.、Um, I think at Digineer we obviously like to pair that human element, you know, of a change with the more hard and tangible. Um, processes and you know methodologies and data,、um, and that's something I'm doing now.、Um, some of these programs, like the one I talked about, from even from a culture perspective,、um, and some new like product launch type initiatives,、um, we're just really looking at data and measuring the success of that. Because、um, so often that that can be an afterthought, right? We need to measure success. We need、uh, we want to we want to know if what we're doing、um, actually has values value to it. Um, and sometimes through disruption, like in, in you know situations like these, we need to backfill our measurement of success, just like we did with that initial awareness for the change. We don't always know our exact KPIs that are going to、um, indicate if something was successful or not.、Um, but you know, when we're preparing to rebound towards the future,、um, it can be very important in helping us determine where we're at and where we need to go moving forward.、Um, you know, as times develop, we hardly ever pause. To ask how well things are working,、um, so I just like to use that data and metrics, and some of those outcomes that I've been able to pull、um, have been great in helping us decide if we're able to meet those expectations, or, you know, of you know of our expected outcomes.、Um, and I'm someone that I, obviously I'd love to talk about data and metrics all day long, but I think we can <laughs> we can save that for maybe another session. <laughs> Sounds like a part five, <laughs> part <right> . six. <laughs> I think too. There's a lot in that、um, pivot that you kind of alluded to, David. In that we're able to implement new systems, processes, tools, but monitor them more closely and make adjustments much quicker than we have in the past. So COVID brought kind of a open. I would say you know it was almost like an open test case that was running throughout COVID. Where we would do things, we would sit back, we'd see how they'd work, we'd make adjustments. Obviously, government restrictions and and things like that changed all the time. So, you know, for one kind of process, we probably had a dozen approaches to it because of the changes we were encountering on a daily basis. And so, that agile idea of monitoring things as they roll out, making adjustments as we go. Um, really has opened the eyes of a lot of、uh, healthcare institutions and a lot of organizations that maybe we don't have to wait until everything is 100% perfect before we roll it out. Maybe we can roll it out incrementally. Maybe we can get this in the hands of the users and get feedback and make adjustments as we go. And so I think that's been really exciting to watch a different approach to getting work done in. Probably a quicker manner, but also still managing the the challenges and making sure you have the compliance and the security and the regulations covered that you need to. Yeah, more more decisions, more quicker decisions to keep things moving along、mm-hmm. versus trying to get everything perfect before you move. Exactly.、On. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you, Carol and David, for your expertise and the great discussion today. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please be on the lookout for episode five in the Digineer Presents Organizational Change in today's World Series, where we will dive into how we accelerate our opportunities into the future. 
Be well and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Digineer Presents, brought to you by Digineer. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and look for Digineer and all those social media platforms. We look forward to hearing from you.